Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. Voice of the Millennials. With Yasin Kipi. Igniting the youth. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Welcome back to the voice of the millennials with myself, yes, and Kipi. Fasih Pitsun here, by the way, I forgot to be Assalamu alaikum to you. Wa alaikum I wanted you to come on because we had kind of a similar discussion earlier on about the coronavirus. That's the big word that's, of course, been going on. And I told some of the listeners that I'd be talking to a specialist, of course, in virology, Dr. Tasneem Suleiman, who is with us. Assalamu alaikum in the studio. Assalamu alaikum to you, Dr. Tasneem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. And I hope I will be able to do justice to whatever questions you have to ask me. Yeah. No, no, I, I think you definitely, because I mean, it's, it's, it's your uh, field of expertise, but I think a lot of people are just ignorant about what the coronavirus is. And, and so uh, there's, there's a lot that we can discuss, but I think it's, it's good to just keep a steady, uh, you know, a question, a line of questions going. So, but before we do that, of course, Dr. Tasneem, uh, let me just talk about who, who my guest is here. And she's quite uh, acclaimed uh, virologist. She's a graduate in medical biosciences from UWC with special in medical virology, uh, which is the study of viruses. You know, we all hear of so many viruses, the HIV virus, etc. Um, and but what is a virus? We'll find out that in a second. She has 11 years of postgrad experience in the coronavirus research in particular. And this word has been around. It's not a new word. No one just thought, okay, let's name it coronavirus. Um, and the postgrad studies focus on uh, some technical jargon words like NL6S which, and uh, SARS coronavirus which people may know under the supervision of Prof uh, Fielding at UWC. Of course, she was also an exchange student in Germany with regards to uh, while she was doing a master's and PhD uh, at the lab of Prof uh, Drosten, who is a European expert in coronavirus research, where studies focus on the SARS coronavirus. I believe that was at the time, right, of the whole epidemic, I'm sure, or, or just a bit after about that. Yeah. Uh, after returning to SA, she pursued a postdoc fellowship at San Bosch uh, Department of Medical Virology, hosted by Professor suppressor where she researched bat-related coronavirus and that's something interesting because probably thing it's coming from the bats right but what is the reality of that uh, claim um, and of course of interest to human infections as well she's now pursuing a postdoc uh, at UWC uh, hosted by Prof uh, Megan Shaw at her lab in the field of influenza virology uh, inf- influenza virology is a bit different to coronavirus that we're speaking about tonight yes. um, but uh, so this is really important let's just start off with what is a virus and what is coronavirus Okay, um, a virus, okay, a virus falls under the umbrella of microorganisms. So Mm -hmm. there are seven types of microorganisms. I'm not going to go into the scientific jargon about what all of those things are, but of particular interest to us are the bacteria and the viruses, also the fungi because it causes certain kinds of infections. Yes. And um, so bacteria are in them, bacteria are entire cells, whereas 
viruses live inside cells, so that makes them infinitely tinier. So mm-hmm. both of these things, a microorganism implies that it can only be cannot be seen with the micro with uh, with the naked eye. You yes, need yes. the assistance of light microscopes or very high powered electron microscopes in the in the case of viruses. So to answer your question, a virus is um, it's an infectious particle. It may or may not cause infection. It mm-hmm. can cause infection to various degrees. And they're particularly elusive because they live inside your cells. So that is why it's so difficult to find antiviral treatment for viral infections. Mm-hmm. Can I also, because they live inside cells, when cells duplicate, so that means it carries you know, the nature of that virus into the next cell as well? Uh, no, not necessarily. That might occur in the case of... Uh, uh, no. Simple, a simple answer is no, but I think it might be a bit too complicated to get into the uh, details of how viruses replicate on air. I would need a chalkboard to show it to you. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I really appreciate you being with us today, but the thing is, like, like any field, really, of the expert in it, there's a lot of jargon that may be used, That's and true. people would obviously have to uh, read a bit more about this, but uh, hopefully we can get some uh, light with regards to what a virus is, but particularly now, what what's the relation between you know general virus and what particular type of virus is the coronavirus okay this has annoyed me since day one of the outbreak that the nomenclature of this virus or this virus class has been completely flawed and all Mm. everyone in the scientific community has been complaining about this okay so to just to clarify coronavirus is not something that just happened now the first corona first human coronavirus was discovered in the 1960s and oh, oh no, actually, coronaviruses in general were, were discovered in the 1960s, mm-hmm. and since then there have been many species that have been found. So, coronavirus essentially implies um, a family of viruses which can infect uh, various various organisms, such as uh, well, different animals, such as camels, bats, birds, cats, dogs, civet cats, and many other species that are probably as yet unknown. Mm-hmm. So, of interest to us is that the, the Coronaviruses are d- divided into four groups, which we call genera, that if you really want the jargon. Yeah. And that's the alpha, beta, gamma, and delta coronaviruses. So among them, are, oh, and they are clustered based on how they, um, uh, based on their genetic similarity to, e- similarity to each other, basically. Mm. So there are seven known human coronaviruses to date. Four of them cause mild, infec- uh, mi- mild disease, Mm-hmm. That's OC43, NL63, 229E, and HKU1. And they were uh, discovered over over quite a period of time. Mm-hmm. And the limelight on coronaviruses was shone in 2002-2003 when SARS coronavirus emerged in China, incidentally. So that is when uh, a lot of labs around the world suddenly focused a lot of the resources yeah. and energy and yeah. effort and time and made this a priority for research mm. because of at that time it caused over 8,000 cases with a 10%, approximately 10% fatality rate. So and that was happened in China, right? Yes, that was in China, but it was spread over a, a relatively wide geographical region, but within that area. Yes. Um, and also, I might I want to point out that global travel then wasn't what it is now. Mm-hmm. And then in 2012, the M- Middle East Respiratory Syndrome coronavirus emerged, and that was the infection that... Uh, well, you could say jump species from the camel to the to humans, and then that caused diseases in Saudi Arabia and the Arabian Peninsula, and also well in other parts of the world. And that uh, that uh, I wouldn't call it an epidemic, but that uh, um, the MERS is still is still prevalent. Yes, but um, it causes MERS itself causes uh, a range of 
well, it, it ranges from mild to serious infection where people die from it, but they would need to be have like a special well it it may, well mostly it's the elderly and um, immunocompromised people who cannot survive it but yeah. where the, it has mild infection it um yeah. it uh, doesn't really cause Which has been similar to. now the elderly and children have m- mostly died Thank it? you for noticing that's yeah. actually a, a signature Well Fasih mentioned that to me earlier so he's It actually is that, yeah. the main age of of uh, fatalities is around mm. upwards of 49 years old 49 to 56 the last time mm. I saw but uh, the information on coronavirus is evolving so rapidly. I mean, mm. what's relevant, what's true now may change in the next five minutes. Yes, yes. So I hope that all the information that I have is uh, up to date enough. Mm-hmm. And coming to the most important thing that's on everyone's lips right now, when people speak about coronavirus at this point, they're actually speaking about the 2019 novel coronavirus that emerged in China, in Wuhan province, mm-hmm. yeah. Hubei province actually, Wuhan is a city. Mm-hmm. In twen- uh, in December 2019, yeah. and calling it 2019 novel coronavirus was l- it's like calling your child child okay. one two yes, and three. Yes. So it wasn't really uh, it, it was quite confusing. It confounded the literature a bit because people just abbreviated it to coronavirus, and they were like, "Which coronavirus are you talking about?" and uh, etc. So yes. yeah, I mean, just to the to the layperson. I mean, uh, there's there's been so many different videos coming out that oh, it was predicted uh, in the 90s, etc. For example, The Simpsons, right? There's this whole yeah. video. But the fact is that they're talking about a different coronavirus, right? And it was just mentioned back then. Now people are trying to say no, 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 this is the same coronavirus, etc. But it's a unique type, uh, of course. But uh, so so it's called the novel twi- uh, 2019 novel coronavirus, right? And to make it worse, there's two more names associated with it. Now they've yes. named the disease associated with the 2019 novel coronavirus it's called covid-19 standing meaning uh, coronavirus disease 19 as in 2019 mm-hmm. and they've renamed the actual virus as a causative organism um, they've called it SARS-CoV-2 and the scientific community is in uproar about it because there's okay. not enough information to actually make the claim that it's SARS 2.0 basically. Yeah, so but who's making these names? Up? It's the WHO and taxonomists. Taxonomists are World given. Health organization. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. Okay, that's a bit of a long shot. I, can, I need to confirm that. But okay. it's taxonomists, and it is yeah. the World Health Organization that approves it. So. So um, when we talk about uh, you know the, the the rate of of, of infection at the moment, um, particularly when we talk about uh, the fact that uh, uh, those who are most vulnerable, we spoke about you know in terms of the viruses you mentioned earlier, uh, it's after the age of forty six and young children are also falling put on, put on. Uh, is that the case at the moment as well the way we are seeing uh, that it's mainly. You know, people who find themselves either frail or young children or food and play. Um, because I know that uh, there was this mass hysteria with the H1N1 swine flu uh, virus and, you know, all of the other viruses that came about that, you know, people were saying, oh, this is going to take over the world. And then we found that it was just basically the same with the common flu and common cold that does affect, you know, people who find themselves to be frail or young children. Is that the same case here or is this a stain of virus something different? Okay, I'm near to the field of influenza virology, but in any case, what I can say about uh, the current coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, if you want to be specific, mm-hmm. is that it does, the, the deaths that occur and the infections are mostly among the elderly or people above the age of, well, there is an age range, but people above 49 to, f- well, between 49 to 56 years of, of age are dying. 
and there aren't so many. Well, the children amazingly seem to evade the virus quite well, and uh, there haven't been many. There's there's more reports of the of people who advanced in age mm-hmm. getting the virus, which is is really people are raising questions about why is this happening because you'd expect children and um, the elderly or people who are immunocompromised to have relatively s- the similar immune systems because children haven't had enough exposures yet, and while the elderly have well they well they they're old, so their immune systems don't work as well as they used to when they were younger. So it is quite a mystery. People don't know yet why that occurs, but it is something that researchers are like frantically looking at all over the world. So you also mentioned that it was a respiratory system, uh, you know, malfunction or something happened with regards to the breathing. Uh, what exactly, uh, how, did, how is it transmitted and how does it affect the, the victim of the coronavirus? So the, trans- the exact dynamics of the transmission of uh, SARS-CoV-2 is yet to be determined. However, what we do know right now, since it is known to be a respiratory pathogen, is that it is transmitted via fomites, which is the technical term for like when someone who's infected sneezes and they release these droplets into the atmosphere and the next person inhales it. Obviously, they need to be having an active infection. Mm. So someone who's asymptomatic, which means they're not sneezing or coughing, but they might have the infection, um, they are very unlikely to transmit it. Um, but as I said, the, the the information on this virus is evol- evolving rapidly and there's so little that is known yet. Um, okay, and also another way is uh, contact with contaminated surfaces. For example, if a, if an infected mm-hmm. person sneezes on their hands and they touch a light switch yeah. and like two minutes later you touch that light switch and whatever, uh, touch your nose or mouth or something, you can get the infection. Not that you will, you can. It's a possibility. It's a transmission route. So basically, it's coming into contact with fluids that are released from someone who is infected from their nasal or oral cavities. Okay, brilliant. Uh, of course, we will ask also a few questions with regards to um, how we are affected in South Africa. And of course, with regards to travel, traveling, there was an important question that was also raised by one of the listeners. The message uh, goes as follows. Uh, so I come if one report is correct, suggesting it takes only 15 seconds to be infected with corona, then commuting in public places is perfect breeding grounds. How will this affect Hajj and Umrah? Now, th- uh, some of those questions as well will be answered um, after, after the break, inshallah. We'll be right back after this. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. So, to Lel Fiat, voice of the millennials. With Yasin Kipi, igniting the youth. Assalamualaikum, welcome back to the Voice of the Millennials with myself, Yasin Kippi, and we're speaking to Dr. Tasneem Suleiman, a virologist, about the coronavirus, the latest version of it, and of course, she's enlightened us uh, very brilliantly with regards to the, video, the history of the viruses uh, and indeed how it's transmitted and uh, how it affects different people. Uh, you call it an epidemic. Is it an epidemic at the moment or not? No, it is not it's an not epidemic. It's not yet an epidemic. N- as, uh, as the definition of by the WHO goes, it is not an epidemic, nor a pandemic, which is bigger than an epidemic and so far it is just uh, called a uh, it's a public health emergency of international yes. concern so yeah. that's the term that they're going with right now 
Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, it's not an epidemic. It's interesting. Everyone says epidemic, epidemic, but it's just like a, there's, there, there needs to be a criteria involved with that as well. Okay, so um, are we at risk in South Africa? And, uh, you know, the, the, the big thing about protecting oneself is the masks the masks are used. And I suppose I understand why now, because if you if you touch your mouth, your nose, uh, you know, and having been in contact with it, you are at risk. But uh, tell us about the protective me- uh, measures. Okay, at this stage we are not at risk because there have been no confirmed cases of the corona. No, no investigations are there? Okay, that's... Uh, okay. There have been, right, Look, because they, there yes, were people from Hong Kong coming in. I remember that old uh, photo okay. that came with people and stuff. Yeah. So that was going to come later in my, in my <laughs> list of uh, yeah. answers, however, yeah, sure, since sure. you've raised it. Yeah. Um, the NICD, which is a branch of, which is one of the... Uh, Departments of the uh, National Health Laboratory Services. Mm. This is the National Institutes of Com- uh, Com- Communicable Diseases, which is the NICD. They are on the ball. They have protocols in place for if people do present with symptoms, if they've been exposed to travel, or they've been exposed to people who have traveled. Yes. So they are doing a great job right now, and I speak on behalf of, this is just my opinion I'm not affiliated with any particular organization as far as this goes and from and they're quite transparent with the information that they put up on their websites and or that they put out in the press mm-hmm. so to date as of today this afternoon there have been 106 people tested for SARS-CoV-2 in South Africa okay. 56 persons were under investigation they were uh, they were they were classified as PUI that is persons under investigation and all of these cases were negative. So okay. they, it's not like South African healthcare professionals are ignoring it. They are very much aware of what could happen and yeah. what is uh, available and, well, what is possible. So that is not an issue. Like We, have, we are in good hands. We are basically taken care of. There are measures in place at uh, various um, healthcare institutions that are ready to receive people who would be infected with this virus. Tigerberg Hospital is one of them, and there's an expert there. He was my former mentor, Professor Prizer. He he has been in the news several times about this, and he is, um, he's, anyway, he is, uh, yeah. so we we as a country have nothing to worry about that our, in that our healthcare, profe- our healthcare service is on the ball. Yeah, that is something uh, that we often don't realize, even though like the public health care system in terms of uh, service delivery is always the best, but we are actually one of the best uh, health uh, industries, or at and least uh, in terms of the research in, in the world. And it? I would actually just like to mention that there are quite a few coronavirologists, people specializing in coronavirology yes. in this country, whether or not it's directly in human coronavirus mm-hmm. research or bad coronavirus research, the, basically the techniques of detection and research are pretty pretty much the same so there are quite a few experts in this country so we are quite well taken care of all right uh, and then with regards to the international travel with regards to uh, coronavirus uh, people at risk how do they protect themselves and the question earlier was asked about uh, of course will it be a threat in the hajj and umrah season okay that is a question that i have been asked many times so um, the, the the World Health Organization has clearly stated, and you can look this up on their website, they have a lot of in, actually quite very easy to understand videos, firstly on what the coronavirus is, how the, how the virus works, and also where we stand, like there's FAQ. So one of the questions that was posed is, should we cancel our international travel? And mm-hmm. the answer they gave was no, there has not been any travel ban or trade ban uh, associated with any country, not even China. Uh, however, like I would 
the, it is on the NICD site, uh, website as well that they have advised that if you would be traveling to China, maybe limit your 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 travel to the endemic regions, for example, mm. uh, Hubei province, which is still the epicenter of the of the outbreak. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, cons- take those things into consideration. And if you have to travel, protect yourself. That's the only thing you can do. You never know how a virus can ever reach you and who's infected and who's going where. So all you can do is protect yourself, pro- practice proper hand hygiene, and uh, wear a mask if you need to, and just basically be aware of your environment and what you're touching and and also please wash your hands before you eat. I think sometimes when you're traveling, we, we underestimate the importance of that, but that's the time when it's most important. Yeah, that's that's really important. Of course, I mean, uh, that that's just a general understanding of protection, but when it comes to, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I can't really say this, but perhaps the Saudi health ministry are really preparing as well for, for this? Okay. Um, if I can just speak from experience in the past, I was mm. a consultant when during the MERS coronavirus outbreak in Saudi Arabia for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And the Saudi government, from my experience with them, they are quite well prepared for mm. coronavirus outbreaks or, or outbreaks of any kind. Um, regarding Hajj and Umrah for this year and this season, even currently, there have been no cases of the virus in the Saudi Arabian, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Mm. So... At this point, the yeah, that's interesting you said that because there were like a lot of videos going around. Yeah. where there's like a thousand and all no. of those things. It's just no. fear, fear tactics. Look, it may have been the MERS coronavirus, and the buzzword is coronavirus. So people uh, may have gotten confused, and that yes. was an infection that's been ongoing since 2012. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there will be there are still cases of the MERS coronavirus, and um, but that is under control and is not as it's um, it's completely different from the current virus. Mm-hmm. So regarding Hajj and Umrah, the Saudi, well, the, the Hajj ministry has not issued any warnings as yet. And I think in this country, our our service providers are well equipped and they will give us the information when we need it and if we need it. They are required to do that legally in any case. Mm-hmm. So no one's hiding anything from anyone and the statistics are what they are. All we can do is protect ourselves if we need to travel. Um, another message coming in here from 8691 saying uh, one of the major supplier of the scanning apparatus uh, states that the products used at our ports of entry are not adequate or accurate enough to pick up a person having a fever. Does uh, Do you know uh, about this claim? Have you heard about that with regards to the scanning apparatus? Okay, that is something I'm hearing for the first time, I mm-hmm. must be honest, yep. but according to the NICD and the National Health Laboratory Services, they have uh, put uh, measures in place at all major international airports and they are on they are on high alert for anyone who is coming in who may have symptoms or who may be uh, virus infected or may have temperatures. I'm not sure what exact apparatus they are using, but they have even uh, at times of um, uh, high volumes of traffic, of people traffic, they have used, they have even... Uh, gotten medical professionals from the National Defense Force on board. So, as far as the tic- well, the the I can't comment exactly on the on yeah, the no, adequacy of, of the apparatus. Um, I mean, another message came in, and this really uh, ties into what we wanted to, want to ask you as well. It says, uh, it says yeah, Ebola was caused by eating bush animal meat. Is eating animal meat like bats and snakes also the cause of the recent strain of coronavirus? And this is something that, uh, you know, like, <laughs> what? Everyone's saying it's bats, something it's, uh, you know, like a particular type of anteater, some people saying something else. Um, give uh, shed some light about exactly where it comes from, this particular one. Okay, I'm going to step back a little bit to yeah, give you sure. some information about um, what 
what is called a spillover. That's a, that's a technique. Well, actually, it's a, it's a more colloquial term, but we're talking about a zoonosis. So, a so, lot of, uh, sorry, what? It's called a zoonosis, okay. which means it's an... Um, it's a virus that entered the human population from animals uh, via a species jump. And it doesn't jump like ticks and fleas. So when okay. people say it jumped, it wasn't that simple. It means it, it underwent some changes via an intermediate species and then infected humans. With coronaviruses, we have seen that. Although there are discrepancies in what has been proven and what has not been proven, um, there is a strong bat ancestor to many coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. For example, the camel coronavirus MERS coronavirus, which uh, reached the human population via infection in a camel, whether that was a necessary part of the evolution towards a human virus evolution towards a human is uh, it's it, it's unknown exactly. Mm-hmm. However, um, regarding the current coronavirus, I was actually looking up the scientific information about the intermediate species between the bat. Well, if SARS was uh, speculated to come from a bat, mm-hmm. and there was when we say that it came from a bat, it means that. When we look at a certain bat virus and we look at the one that infects a human, they must have a very very high genetic identity, which means they must be quite similar genetically. Yeah. So that is why we say that it came from bats. But however, cooking any, t- like any kind of meat, you are at risk of infection if you do not cook it well. <laughs> Whether, I mean, snakes aren't really my taste, although I have eaten eel sushi at one point. Just <laughs> <laughs> <was> quite tough. <laughs> however, um, the, the key would be to cook it, and in any case, mm-hmm. um, contact with these live animals, like what, has hap- what happens in parts of China and other yep. parts of Africa, that is what puts people at risk because mm-hmm. they shed virus while mm-hmm. they are still alive. And contact with the animals and uncooked meat, that is what ca- can put you at risk for infection. But, but you, you, you're still saying that people can still eat sushi, right? They don't have to stop eating sushi. <laughs> well, I don't like the taste of raw fish, so I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But, but they can still. still do this well. <laughs> Maybe go for the vegetarian I, I, stuff. There is a trend that people are eating now raw meat as well. Have you seen that? Yes, in, in actual fact, um, the bloodier the better. <laughs> the bloodier the better. So, I mean, uh, as a virologist, I mean, that must be a total nightmare for you uh, when people start having these strange <laughs> Dice. This is one of the reasons I stay off social media as far as possible, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Can, can I just ask, in terms of protocols, let's say, for instance, in a country, you know, uh, where a virus is found, what are the protocols and procedures to help contain that, you know, uh, as far as ensuring that it doesn't spread? Okay, in the case of SARS coronavirus in 2002-2003, that is how the virus was contained. There was no antiviral and there still is no antiviral therapy for this, for, for the current coronavirus or the previous ones. However, um, there are public uh, health interventions that have been put in place. For example, if we look at China at this stage, there's quarantines that are put in place and like, and people would get fined or have their license re- licenses revoked if they have if they are caught driving in the streets or however it is. So, among those things, um, one of the things that the country does, I mean, well, if, if, it depends on how serious it is. I mean, this, well, in China, it was necessary to quarantine people, put make people stay indoors and stuff, but. Um, well, well, basically, um, I think the, the core of the question is, you know, as far as the protocols and procedures generally, I mean, across, globally, in terms of, you know, the WHO, what is an acceptable standard for, you know, quarantine uh, as far as, well, not quarantine, but just uh, the protocols that would be in place to p- contain something. Okay. You know. So, uh, well, China is actually, I read somewhere that at the moment it's a perfect um, uh, it, it's actually a very big experiment on working from home and how effective that can be mm-hmm. in China. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. uh, to answer your question, I mean, if 
okay, but if you look at China, they have everyone's on lockdown, the streets are empty, everyone's indoors, this quarantine that has been uh, put in place, which is what would need to happen in a, in a case like that. And just by that and sanitizing surfaces and streets and pr- providing proper health care and um, the basically also education about how things are supposed to happen, like, for example, wearing face marks, enforcing those rules. That is how a country would typically control a virus. Mm. So it would vary, obviously, based on what virus it is, where it is, what's the population density in a country and other socioeconomic factors. And so the WHO, to my knowledge, or I stand to be corrected on this, they don't, there isn't a particular blanket protocol for every virus that could happen. But obviously, there are certain things. But I don't work in public health, so that's the extent of my knowledge on the subject. Yeah, now, now obviously, I don't know if we have listeners in China, um, Fasi, but... Oh, we do have some experts. Yeah, they are, there are experts there. I'm yeah. sure they listen online as well, yeah. But I mean, uh, there's a question as well. <laughs> maybe, they're, maybe they're listening. But the question is that, uh, that uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, is how should we handle if there's like a janazah or funeral, if there are cases of coronavirus or other <laughs> infectious diseases among the Muslim community? Like... If a person dies from the coronavirus, mm-hmm. doing the janazah, or you should just like stay away from them. How do we actually handle that? Okay, so China has resorted to cremating, and oh really? Yes, wow. the, uh, cremating. Well, I don't know whether it's part of Chinese culture or mm-hmm. whether it has been enforced, because obviously I think they can't deal with the volume of deaths that they're having or mm. whatever the case is, but. Cremation is not really necessary as far as I'm con- This is my personal opinion. I don't speak on behalf of any organization or academic institution. Mm-hmm. But let's think about it. Where would the p- points of contact be? Let's talk about this uh, coronavirus because for every virus it would be different. Ebola would be a total no touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is something I think healthcare officials would not allow. So, I mean, fortunately, I don't think we've had any, we have not had any cases of Ebola in this country, but. In those case, in the case of Ebola, because it's a biosafety level four organism, which it means it's the most one of the most infectious things known to man, and because it can infect other people so easily, and there's a, it's it's released in the blood, etc. And so, in the in the case of that, for example, Ebola, there would be I would, uh, you cannot have any contact with the body. You would just have to bury them without ghusl like that. And I think this is something our ulama and religious leaders need to address because. What happens when we do have a, a case of a death of something highly infectious? There needs to be protocols in place. For example, with the coronavirus, once a pers- if a person isn't living, they're not really shedding virus. However, contact with the mouth and all of those other areas when, when washing the body, you don't know where there could be other uh, well viruses all over the person's body. And because in is- Islamic culture, we tend to bury fairly quickly. There's no long-term storage in a mortuary or anything of that sort you can expect some viable virus to still be on the person. So the key there would be to firstly wear personal protective equipment. A mask is what I would suggest strongly. Gloves not really necessary, but also maybe waterproof uh, outer personal protective equipment. And all the the water that is released must be bleached before it is put down the drain because bleach kills everything in a high enough concentration. But there needs to be protocols in place for these things. So, I mean, as a, as, as a society, I don't think we can change that much where we can go as far as accepting things as cremations. We can still maintain our Islamic culture. However, we need to still take into account the 
the the aspect of the fact that it is a, an infectious disease and also minimizing contact with the with the deceased themselves because yeah. people tend to get very emotional mm-hmm. and touch excessively and that should be strictly avoided yeah and i mean the, the what's inter- was so amazing about our our tradition of islam and, and particularly the jurisprudential tradition is that it's so uh, diverse in terms of the opinions and what mm-hmm. can be done um perhaps in one, one of the madhab there are opinions about uh, the, the 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 need that not to actually rub on the maid, the delk, right, the pressing, maybe the water needs to be thrown over, uh, and also the, um, the 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 fact that when there's a necessity for something, there's a fear to, to block that, and that, anything that's lifted, of course, you don't need to do something, but of course, uh, this is something we look forward to, uh, you know, um, Olama giving a really good um, I hope you never need it, though. I hope you never need it, yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously it's, it's, uh, especially the Hanafis, they always ask what if, <laughs> so. Hey, I'm Hanafi. Okay, <laughs> but, uh, so, so this is uh, really interesting. But um, w- now we'll come to a, a bit more of the 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 because we'll be wrapping up in the next five minutes. We've just got five minutes left uh, before I share. Um, so I'm going to give you like maybe three minutes just to mention anything else you'd like to mention. But uh, particularly with regards, so it can be quite confusing for the layperson, you know, with the scene of information out there. What sources do you recommend for the latest information on the virus? And of course, social media plays a big role on what is transmitted and accepted by the public. What can you say about that as well? Okay, firstly, well, maybe we should make the voice of the cave our primary source of information. <laughs> that would be fine. Uh, on a more serious note, these WhatsApp messages that have been going out around have been driving me crazy <laughs> on a personal note. Um, the key thing is to, before we transmit any information on any social media p- platform, verify it. There's enough resources out there. I would strongly recommend if you really want to fact check something, the WHO website, which is the World Health Organization, <coughs> and um, for example, ProMed Mail, which well, that's a more technical resource if you really want to be on the ball with the with the number of infections and what. Yeah. But the WHO website is quite comprehensive, and they have also put up some uh, really cool um, YouTube, uh, videos that are also available on YouTube. But it's um, created by the WHO. Mm. For example, anyone who wants. The information that we've discussed on the uh, in a very comprehensive manner, as well as um, they have had Q, Qs and As, and the, the information that they're putting out is very public friendly, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. So the WHO is my go-to site, and also some if if it's going to be a news website, like a popular news website, it should be like Sky News, CNN, BBC, SABC, E News, or um, sources of that nature. Where yeah. It, they they would filter out all the the, the junk yeah, mostly. Not, not Fox News. <laughs> no, Fox News. Look, I didn't want to be the one to say that, <laughs> but I've been warned. Though, we have to ask about uh, this because uh, news agencies are often you can't really completely trust everyone with okay. it because there may be uh, you know uh, powers that be, particularly economic powers, etc. There's a lot of conspiracies also about the coronavirus. You know, what have you? I mean, I've heard so many different things. It was a uh, biological warfare. It was you know there's infused HIV in it. There's so many of them. How do you handle that as well? You're just ama- uh, frustrated as well? I just stay away from social media entirely. And I honestly, it's it's so overwhelming, even for me as a coronavirolo- former coronavirologist. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really overwhelming. This whole it, It's just basically a sea of noise. So when I really need to know what the facts are or what, the, for example, the status is, how many deaths to, to date, by the way, there have been 76,767 cases as of this afternoon, mm-hmm. by the way. So um, 
But that, the ratio of, of deaths have been like no, well, more, no more than a 5,000, right? 2,250 2, odd. Yeah, yeah. So I can crunch the numbers lot, for yeah. that. And by the way, there have only been eight deaths outside of China. Mm-hmm. So not only, I mean, every va- life is obviously valuable, yeah, but just yeah. to g- give you a perspective of the statistics. So basically, just be careful about the information that you get and what you transmit. And let us not be the agents of transmitting false information. Mm-hmm. As far as the conspiracy theories go, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist. There are some things that I've read and seen that look suspicious, that seem very coincidental, but the point is, can we prove it? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. If we cannot prove it, then there really is no sense in uh, transmitting it. But we need to keep our eyes open, obviously. Mm, Absolutely. Now, um, one thing I would like to mention as well is the fact that you've kind of seen this uh, outright racism from some people towards Chinese people. Most definitely. And that's like, uh, this is now the excuse to be racist towards them. Uh, Look at what they eat, look at all of these things. Uh, And and obviously there has been the one conspiracy, it's a conspiracy, but people say, oh, this is Allah's punishment because of how they treat the Treating that the, particularly Uyghur, offended Uyghur me. Uh, you know, the Muslim, the Uyghur Muslims, right? Now, for you to say that outright is something that's a big claim and you can't also verify that Allah A'lam. But it is something that is kind of disrespectful to, to, to a lot of people as well, the victims especially of these of these things. I think we need to be sensitive in how we approach this. And like, how would we like it if that was us? I mean, there's so many things that the world can point at us that we think we brought upon ourselves. But if you look at who is being affected by it, it's not anyone that's meeting out punishment to anyone else. So I think that whole claim about it being a punishment for the Chinese is, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, basically. So, and I think we need to, we need to be a bit sensitive to the plight of our fellow human beings, because as Muslims, that is our responsibility, whether we like it or not. So sometimes just being quiet and not forwarding that message that may have made you laugh for a second might save you mm-hmm. from something worse in the Akhirah. So that's yeah. something we really need to take into consideration, like where do we stand as Muslims on the whole coronavirus outbreak? Yeah, that, that's really important. Uh, I mean, uh, but I would like to make a joke there, if you don't mind. And I not, don't know if I mind yet. You have to make the joke <laughs> first. Is there a strict and obvious one? No, it's not, it's not. I'm just saying that when people are hearing the word SARS, we're not talking about the South African Revenue Service, which, which can might choke you sometimes if it's politically system. <laughs> we're talking about SARS. Uh, of course, the coronavirus, which was a severe acute respiratory syndrome uh, related to coronavirus. And this is, of course, called the SARS-CoV-2 uh, which you can read about online and of course this this interview will be put up inshallah just in about 20 minutes or so uh, on iono uh, voc so if you'd like to listen back um, you can check it about in an hour inshallah and um, uh, of course we thank so much uh, dr tasim Salman. it's been really uh, enlightening isn't <laughs> really it? enlightening and yeah. i think uh, it's it's good to get information from a source that understands it uh, as we think we've been, been engaging with social media and our various other media platforms where it's really very sketchy people don't really know what this virus is all about mm. so i think it's been you know enlightening uh, Shukran to you so much. Afwan, and pleasure. we hope to have you again. Hopefully, there's no more viruses. Oh, please tell me in advance <laughs> so I can go and do my research. Yeah, but uh, we would like you to come on again because it's really fascinating <coughs> the way you explain things. It's, it's really uh, easy to understand. But Shukran so much. And I'd like to thank, of course, Valdi Fanalili on technical duty. Uh, it's uh, almost the Waqt of Aisha. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.